Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Football Outsiders live streaming podcast for Thursday, December 15th, 2022. I am Aaron Schatz, Editor-in-Chief of Football Outsiders, joined as always by senior writer Mike Tanier. And we are joined today by Matt Lombardo, our friend from Heavy.com. We've got a lot of games to preview. We're going to do them a little bit out of order because the most important one featuring a couple of teams that Matt is very familiar with, which is why we wanted to have him on the show. And the most important game of the week by far is the Sunday night game with the Giants and the Commanders at 8 p.m. These are the two teams that played to a 2020 tie two weeks ago. So golly, if it seems like they just played each other, that's because they did. But basically, the winner of this game has playoff odds of about 90%. They're basically in. And the loser of this game has playoff odds of about 30%. And now they're competing with the Seahawks and the Lions for the last wild card spot in the NFC. So it's a really important game. Yeah, it really is, guys. And thanks for having me. I mean, you look at this matchup and, you know, there are two teams kind of just muddying along, it seems, even after that tie. And, and I think if you're a Giants fan, the one piece of optimism that you look at is Daniel Jones has played really well in his career against the Commanders. He's 4-0-1 against them all time. Best record of any team that he's played against in his career. Hmm. But I look at this Giants team and I never really bought in on them this year, even with the fast start, even with all the talk of, you know, long shot playoff hopes, even if they win on Sunday, I think there's a built-in ceiling because we're starting to see all of the injuries, you know, come bring a dose of reality to the Brian Dable Coach of the Year Love Fest. We're starting to see th this team kind of play the way that we thought that they would eventually fall back into after that fast start. But again, it's a playoff game. This is a playoff situation for both the Giants and the Commanders. It's easily the biggest game of Daniel Jones's career. I think the Commanders are the better team, the better roster at this point. But, you know, Sunday night football in the nation's capital, a playoff berth virtually at stake, it's going to be a great game to watch. When, when you look at the rosters, it looks like a mismatch. It really looks like the commanders have a better roster. Over You look at things like skill position, talent, and places like that. If you throw Chase Young, who I don't know what his status is right now, into the equation, forget about it. If you look at the first quarter, I know, Aaron, you you, you did like a rewatch of that game. I went back and rewatched the first game. Yes, I subjected myself to the first game to watch, to see what I saw from these teams. What what, what did you want to say about the first quarter? And then I'll share some of my thoughts. If you remember, the I thought in the first quarter the commanders looked like this is it. We're going to walk. We're going to take care of this. And then it was just like, we're not good enough to do that. Like, I believe they took a 10 nothing lead. Maybe it was 13-3 for a yeah, while. Yeah, something like that. Right. And, and then it just like, and then they just sort of stopped and let the Giants catch up. And then, then it just got like really dreary. I, I think you definitely saw the weaknesses in the Giants roster in this game. For example, uh, the tackling was not good by either team. Right. Uh, Jalen Smith was like always far like far away from the play it seemed all the time and and he's like starting at linebacker at this point right. uh the receiving core is down to like Darius Slayton and Richie James uh <laughs> Marcus like, Johnson, former Eagles practice squad receiver Marcus uh, Johnson a starter Marcus Johnson oh who's the other guy who came over from the Bills Isaiah Hodgins yes yes like 
Daniel Jones was actually one of the best deep passers in the league in 2021, and they don't have him passing deep very much at all. He passed deep four times, four, four times in the first game. A bomb to Slayton, which hit for 55 yards early on. And then he didn't throw more than 15 air yards for the entire rest of the game until they got to the last desperate drive when it was 20 to 20 and there was a minute and a half left. And he threw three straight deep passes that were all incomplete. So um, his legs, though, like that's a problem for Washington. Like Jones scrambling and on designed runs, too. That was a definite problem for Washington. That brings an element that Washington does not have. Heineke is not scrambling for any yards or anything like that. It's interesting how they treat their quarterbacks. Washington does not baby Heineke. Like they let him throw deep. They let him throw past the sticks on third and 13. This isn't like, you know, all like, oh, it's third and 13. Let's just dump off and get the punt out there, which is the Matt Patricia style of offense. This is like, <laughs> yeah, Taylor Heineke throws, overthrows guys all the time. But you know what? Like, Let's, you know, let's, uh, uh, let's throw it. Let's throw it. Third and 13. Let's try. Let's try to get the first. Aaron, who is Daniel Jones throwing to? I mean, I look at Taylor Heineken and look at the supporting cast and it's nice. Right. He had before and and Daniel Jones has Slayton and nothing. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to have, if I were Daniel Jones, I'd be pretty excited to have Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson on the other end too. Pretty decent deep threats who can stretch the field. Uh, I'd love to have a couple of running backs in the backfield who are fully healthy. You look at what Brian Johnson done, what, what a miraculous story that's been after, you know, his summer and what happened to him in training camp. Antonio Gibson can catch the ball out of the backfield. Who's Daniel Jones throwing to? Or we, we talked about Richie James and a former practice squad receiver and Marcus Johnson. Right. Team just is not built. To like the place the where the Giants game. roster is good, the commander's roster is also good. Like the best position for the Giants is probably like interior defensive line. Oh, which is, by the way, awesome for Washington. So, <laughs> Right. And you look at the secondary. I look at, you know, Xavier McKinney was having a great year borderline pro bowler out, you know, hurt, banged up. Julian Love is having a great year, a career year going into a contract year but they're really banged up at cornerback. You, you know, you, you don't know what the availability they is. had to play a rookie named Zion Gilbert late in that game. And oh, Washington was picking on him. I don't know if they'll have to play him in this game because last week they didn't have to play him very much. But in the first Washington game, they had to put him out there. And Washington was like, that's the guy. Bam. <laughs> yeah. And, and you look at last week after that loss to Philadelphia where the Eagles just went up there and boat raced them out of their own building. You know, you listen to the comments coming out of the locker room afterwards from the Giants. They had already moved on and turned the page to this game. So, yeah. so I, I think there's an understanding of what's at stake. I just don't think that they have the roster to pull this off. I think that the commanders, as we've talked about, they're a better team. They're a deeper roster. They're better at the areas where the Giants are weak at this point. And, and again, I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be competitive. But, you know, I think we've really seen over the past four or five weeks what we all probably expected the Giants to be going into this year, some young talent. I mean, you can't argue Kayvon Thibodeau has has really been a blessing to that pass rush. You can't argue that when healthy, their two tackles have the potential to be bookends for the next decade. They're just not healthy right now. I think you have to be moderately impressed by what you've seen by Daniel Jones this year with all of the chaos around him and an underperforming supporting cast. But this kind of is what the Giants are it's what we should have expected them to be even after that fast start so if they pull this off god bless them they're in the driver's seat for that last wild card spot i just don't know that they have the horses to get this done remember what 
a training camp superstar. Marcus Johnson was. Yes. Like two or three. Yes. He's up there with like G.J. Kinney as like the all-time great uh, Eagles uh, uh, training camp guys there. By the way, you mentioned um, missed tackles, tackles broken. Giants, according to Sports Info Solution, the fifth most tackles broken allowed by their defense. Commanders aren't on that list, but I, I think, yeah, to your point, Commanders. In that game, they were the Washington was allowing some, but in that the first game, like for example, the Dotson game tying touchdown that made it twenty twenty, they missed three tackles on it. And Dotson will make guys miss, but by the way, I think there's precipitation on the East Coast coming. Like today, I think there's some on Sunday, which will further muddy this situation between these two struggling teams. Let's call them. I will note the Giants uh, blitz more than any other team, according yeah. to Pro Football Reference. But Heineke actually is better against the blitz than he is against the standard four pass rushers this year. And I don't think the Giants need to blitz. Like with the guys they have, like Lawrence and Williams and with Thibodeau, I think they can just rush four and be fine. Yeah, I, I tend to agree there. And especially, you know, what you have on the back end being so banged up. I don't know that you want to leave those guys on more. Yeah, you want seven on the back end, not six. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I'm almost worried that six, I mean, seven, six doesn't matter. You got to get to the quarterback somehow. Um, But, you know, like you say, Heineke, he's a veteran. We don't think he is a veteran. They treat him like a veteran. It is, like you said, not an offense that has been childproof. It was childproof earlier in the year from the other guy. Uh, where everything was scripted up. There's a lot less of that right now for the commanders. I'll also point out one other big thing. It did not play a role two weeks ago, but it is something to watch, which is that the commanders have the best punter in the league this year, or second best punter in the league, really, but good coverage. The guy in Tennessee doesn't have good coverage. He just right. uh And the Giants have the worst punt return team in the league. So that is a big field position bonus, or should be for Washington. That's a big deal because Washington is horrendous at managing field position. And field position was a big deal in that game. Yes. I'm sure you remember Antonio Gibson watching the kickoff. Yeah. Hmm, what am I supposed to do with that? And then grabbing it. But I think Washington was inside the 12-yard line four or five times. They had similar problems against the Vikings. Yes, the Vikings in that loss. So if they can manage field position a little bit, they can put themselves in a position where they're not driving 88 yards with Tyler Heineke to try and get points. And I'll be really fascinated to see how Brian Dable coaches this game, especially after what happened in overtime where he punted uh, from something like his 40-yard line rather than going forward. I think it was fourth and three, kind of playing for the tie rather than going for the win. When you look at when they were at their best the first five, six, seven weeks of the season, that culture, that competitive culture was established by his aggressiveness and going for it in big spots like that. So, So I'll be really interested to watch throughout the course of that game just how aggressive Brian Dable is, and if he gets back to going for it at such a, a high level as he was early in the season after how it came back to bite them in that first meeting between these two teams. I will say when I put up the playoff odds, I had a lot of people respond, what if they tie again? <laughs> um, unfortunately, our simulator does not do ties, but oh. there has not been a team with two ties in the NFL in at least 50 years. Yeah, so like, that I'm would be fascinating. I, I am now rooting for the chaos. Yeah, it would be fascinating if they if there was a second tie. It would be crazy. I'm rooting for the chaos, but I got to stay up to the end of the game and capsule it for walkthrough. And I'm just thinking what a 2020 tie with overtime on Sunday night will, <laughs> will do for my sleep schedule and for my mental health. But you know what? It'll be worth it if it's the tie. Oh, by the way, earlier, 
Commanders 31st in starting field position. Only the Broncos have worst starting field position this year. So it's, they yeah, it's because they 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 have they get value from punting, but then they lose yes. value from their return teams and interceptions and yeah, so forth. So the line on this one is actually Commanders by four and a half. I I feel good about the Giants with the plus four and a half. Like I mean, this this is probably going to be another close game, and so I'd rather have the Giants and the points than the Commanders and have yeah, to give like, I would have thought it would have been a pick 'em or a three point Commander line of four and a half. Four and a half. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Giants with four and a half. I, I feel pretty confident there. Yeah, one team coming off a bye, one team coming off of a slaughter. That's part of the thing that's factored into that. Home field, I think, is factored into that. Throw in, like I said, I'm concerned there'll be weather that night. Give me low scoring. Give me the Giants and give me the a win if they lose by a field goal. So are you also thinking under 40 and a half? Yes. 40 and a half is the total. So the last game went under that by half a point. Yes. Yeah. Pound the under. Okay. Giants, the under. All right, you're pounding the under. I'm iffy about it. I feel comfortable. I'd rather just walk away. And again, <laughs> four and a half points. It's like, hey, you lost, you, you know, 24-20. Yeah, I win. I went through. I want that. I want that. All right. You had a prop you liked also, Mike. Oh, uh, this prop was very interesting, I say, as I vamp looking for my notes. Here we go. Brian Robinson with a rushing touchdown or more. Saquon with a rushing touchdown or more. Plus 260. Robinson and Saquon each with a rushing touchdown. Pretty good juice on that. Saquon's been pretty banged up, and you look at him in the last three weeks, he is not the same player that he was for the first eight or nine weeks of the season. I, I, I'd probably stay away from that one. I mean, I, 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 they're, they're two big names. They're two focal points of their offense. I think Saquon is as effective now as he has been early in the year. Commanders are also fourth in DVOA against the run compared to 14th against the pass. So, yeah, it's – I mean, you know, that – you know, if, if the Giants get down to the two, they're likely to hand it off. But I feel like, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that one. I don't think Saquon scoring is as likely. Right. I wouldn't touch it until I got a full injury report before the game based on Saquon's health, but something to consider. All right. Let's move on and talk some more about some other good games this week. Let's do a li- little bit on Thursday. So if people are listening to this on Friday, skip forward for five minutes. Talk a little bit about the 49ers at the Seahawks. Brock Purdy is uh, going to play. I don't know why they made that sound questionable. It seemed like it, it was good. always Brock, Brock Purdy was fine. He was fine enough to play last week. He's fine enough to play this week. By the way, the Seahawks playoff odds, 80% if they win this game. if they lose this game. These teams played in week two, and the 49ers won fairly handily. Um, Both of these teams are much better passing than running, even if they wish it was the opposite. (laughs) They both want to run, yes. (laughs) So, and this Geno Smith, the other note I have, uh, Geno Smith is third in deep pass DVOA. Mm. And San Francisco, we know for a couple of years now, has had a weakness against deep passing with an asterisk. The asterisk is that our numbers for deep passing don't include all the times you send your receivers deep and then you take a sack from Nick Bosa. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it only includes when you actually get the pass off. But if you can avoid their pass and rush and you take a sack off that week, from- and of course Lockett and Metcalf are great down the field. Yeah, I really like San Francisco here. And, and, you know, I've been all in on D'Amico Ryans and that defense, as a lot of people have been throughout the course of this season. I mean, you look at that stretch they had, four or five games holding opponents to 10 points or less 
they play their best in the second half of games. We saw that, you know, running Tom Brady out of the building last week. <laughs> and I think that when you look at the offense, with or without Debo Samuel, th this is now Kyle Shanahan's autopilot machine for Brock Purdy. You know, I, I can't give John Lynch enough credit for that Christian McCaffrey acquisition. I, I, I wrote about it and talked to a couple of people the minute the trade went down, that Christian McCaffrey is basically made to play for Kyle Shanahan in that scheme with his skill set, what he brings to that offense. And I just look at the combination of San Francisco's talent on defense, D'Amico Ryan's hyper-aggressiveness in terms of how he uses stunts and game action up front with that front four, with a pretty good secondary behind them to really dictate to opposing offenses. And then you have Brock Purdy looking behind him, and you have Christian McCaffrey over here. You have George Kittle over there, Brandon Ayuk on this side. It's a lot of weapons. The training wheels are on, but they don't really need to change much of anything with what they did with Jimmy Garoppolo. You saw that last week with Purdy. I really like San Francisco here. And San Francisco, guys, I think they're a team that has all of the pieces in place to make a surprise run, at least, to the NFC Championship game. And I look at the NFC, I think that the 49ers, even with Brock Purdy at quarterback, I think the biggest threat to the Philadelphia Eagles going back to a Super Bowl. They probably are the biggest threat the way they play. As yes. opposed to the Cowboys, where you can see how the Eagles can, can dictate and win those games, whereas the 49ers can take away the run and cause all kind of chaos. In general, I'm, a, I'm on board with the 49ers. This game, I am looking at the difference between getting Brock Purdy started with one customized game plan and then turning around and doing it on the road on three days rest. And it's the old handicapper's adage of saying, uh, get, start the kid in the first start, but then don't jump on the bandwagon with everybody else especially when you're, in this particular case, laying points to do it. So also, again, as Aaron pointed out, the uh, 49ers secondary can be vulnerable. They can be vulnerable to Metcalf and Lockett along the way. And even in the Tua game, there were open receivers. You talked about that last week, Aaron. There were open receivers in that game. We had a rattled quarterback. I think we got a better offensive line. Maybe we're going to see a little bit of a, a more uh, a lessons learned scheme here around Geno Smith, and I like that as well. So I like I like the Seahawks in this one. Again, also no Debo. And that's yeah. That's no Debo. I think no Debo is important. Seahawks defense yeah. is the opposite of the 49ers. Their weakness is short passing. Uh -huh. And that does seem to be built for Purdy to go against them in this offense, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, a lot of little 10 yard of oh, George, George Kittle here, ding, 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 Ayuk for some yak, uh, Christian McCaffrey, you know, yeah. it does I feel like it's built for what San Francisco wants to do on offense. Yeah. Yeah, but you take one weapon away from that. I agree. Go after oh, those. Tariq, you take you take Samuel well away, yeah. and now Tariq Woolen probably takes Ayuk away for most of the game. Right, right. So you can see the avenue there. And then, you know, again, we've seen Purdy right now kind of at his best. We're going to see a different version of Purdy sometime over the last next couple of weeks and months, whether it's the NFC Championship game or whatever. I think we're going to see a little bit of that tonight. Yeah, the more so tape you get on him, obviously you're going to yeah. figure how to defend him a little bit better, and you're going to be able to dictate to him. It just looks like they didn't change anything about you know what he did. If when anything, he... they threw deep more. Yes, yeah. he's got a better arm. He has a better arm than Garoppolo. Um, the line is 49ers minus three. Uh, over under is 43. What what do you guys think about those? San Fran in the over. Yeah, I lo I locked in three and a half, and the Seahawks uh, yesterday. So. That's why I'm I like the three and a half better than the three, but I think yeah. I think I would go with the 49ers minus three. I think you can still get the three and a half uh, at some books like DraftKings. Yeah, stay away from uh, 
Vegas Insider pissed me off this week. They got rid of their consensus column Ooh. where they list odds. So now I no longer can be like, this is the consensus of all the books. This is the average of all the books. Now I have to figure out which book I'm looking at. And you're in Massachusetts, so you can't just download a book. And I can't all. just download a book because, again, like, let's get this thing through the legislature already. <laughs> Do they need me to go lobby for it? Because I mean, now well, that Charlie... Now that Charlie Baker is taking over the NCAA. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So on the one hand, it's like, we can't get this through legislature. And the other guy is like, it's tournament bracket time. Let's go nuts. Yeah. I love it. All right. Dol Dolphins at Bills. This is the big game out of the Saturday night, tri the Saturday triple header on NFL Network. This is the 8 p.m. Game, game Saturday night rematch where the Dolphins won 21 to 19 in week three when I believe it was 100 degrees yes. and the humidity of 9,000%. An 80 degree temperature difference in this game. It's going to be like 20 degrees in Buffalo with seven to 10 inches of snow on a short week for, for the Dolphins after getting embarrassed on national television with arguably the worst performance of Tua Tagovailoa's season. Guys, I don't know about you guys. I, I look at this game, and I think that this is a revenge situation for Buffalo. I know Von Miller being out for the rest of the year kind of changes the dynamic of that defense a little bit because I think that Von really was that missing piece that really showed the evolution and the maturity of that defense and what they were able to do from a disruption standpoint, rushing the passer and all of those things. I just think that they come out prime time in front of that crowd in the snow it feels like an ass-kicking waiting to happen by the Bills to avenge what happened in the... I feel confident that the Bill the Dolphins are going to figure out a counterpunch to this punch. I just don't feel confident that it's going to happen this week. Right. right. Um, and I, I did go and look. The Bills are 26th in DVOA against those intermediate middle passes that Tagovailoa loves so much. But... The Chargers are 25th, and that didn't stop them from completely shutting the Dolphins down. So I think it's the kind of thing where if the if the Bills play their regular defense, you know, they may be susceptible, even though they have Milano and Poyer, they might be susceptible to those passes. But if they concentrate on knowing that that's where Miami wants to throw, like the Chargers, it should work for them unless my, Miami's going to need to come up with some counter for that. For sure. And I think the other counter is – how are they going to outscore the Bills in that environment? I mean, you look at the weapons that they have. You look at, you know, Naeem Hines hasn't really even made the impact yet that people expected him to make when they traded for him. You got Hines added to that rotation. You got Isaiah McKenzie playing some of the best football of his season over the last couple of weeks. And, oh, by the way, you got Stephon Diggs over there. You know, you, get, you got, you know, Dal Dalton Knox just tearing it up. And Dawson Knox just really tearing it up in the red zone the last couple of weeks. Josh Allen, the injury not really seeming to bother him all that much. And you're playing a game. I, I know you have Jalen Waddle. I know you have Tyreek Hill. But those guys were really shut down last week by the Chargers. I just don't know that the Dolphins keep up. I mean, if this is if this becomes some sort of shootout or, or, or a high-scoring affair with lots of fireworks from the Bills, I just don't know that Tua is built to win in those conditions against that offensive juggernaut. I just want to like frame the conditions a little bit. I know Cameron Wolf has been tweeting out the uh, the dire uh, warnings in terms of the uh, the storm situation, but a lot of what's being talked about is things that are going to be moving through on Friday night into Saturday, like the most dramatic stuff. I'll give you the Saturday forecast uh, verbatim here from the Weather Channel. 
Cloudy with snow showers early and steady snow likely later in the day. Temps near steady in the low 30s. Winds south, west to southwest 10 to 20 miles. Chance of snow 60%. One to three expected. High 32, low 26. Now that's a, a bad night. It's not like ice station zebra type. That sounds like it's cold, but not terrible. Like the snow right. sounds like it'll be before the game. Right, exactly right. So not, now it's going to be bad for the Dolphins and all, everything you guys say is true, but I think people are thinking there's going to be four feet on the snow on the ground because this is getting played up a, a little bit. It's going to be a cold night. Um, and again, I think that's going to favor the Bills 100%. I will point out that the Bills, last time I saw them in some really cold weather, didn't play phenomenally all the time as well. They're not necessarily the best icy weather team because they, they don't like running the ball. They don't like uh, downshifting that kind of football. Just to drop a couple of stats that are in favor of Miami. Miami is eighth in DVOA against the run, but 22nd against the pass. So if the Bills do try to run the ball more because of the weather, they're probably going to have problems. Miami is seventh against deep passes and 28th against short passes. So they're a rare team where their DVOA allowed on short passes is actually higher than what they allow on deep passes. And Miami is sixth in blitz rate. And I wrote about this for an ESPN column that's coming out on Friday where I went through weaknesses for every quarterback. Allen's weakness this year has been the blitz. Hmm. He's number one in ESPN's QBR against four pass rushers, and he's 13th against blitzes. Hmm. So I wonder if Miami blitzes him, maybe he'll have a little bit of problems. Right. So those those are some reasons to think that Miami can keep this closer. On the other hand, we know, like you said, the conditions. We know that the Dolphins have sort of been figured out, and you know, on a short week, do they have? Can they figure out the way to counter that on a short week against a very good defense that may be missing Von Miller, but has a lot of other good players? Also, there's a huge special teams advantage for Buffalo. Buffalo is third in special teams. Miami is 31st. I know Miami has no punt return game whatsoever. They get nothing, not a zip out of punt returns. I know Sanders has had some misses as a field goal kicker. Yeah, the kicker and punter are where the differences really are more than returns. But, yeah, there's a big difference in special teams for these. In a close game, that can make a big difference in the outcome. Yeah. 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 The, The Dolphins also flew from San Francisco back to Miami and are flying up, I think. On this short week, I'm almost certain a lot of flying, yeah, a lot of flying, and that sort of eats up a travel day that could have been a practice day to come in and try and install some things and adjust. That's another little worry, you know, like like what are the, the the Patriots stayed on the West Coast, like they're doing their thing, they're they're managing their travel well. This is a third straight road game for the Dolphins, and they they're flying all over creation. Don't think that's the best decision. Uh, Dolphins, uh, it's a Bills minus seven is the line. You know, that, that, that's you seem to feel good. like the Bills are going to wax them. So I'm guessing you're going with the Bills. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with the Bills here. I, I think it could be a 10 to 14 point game. Hmm. Okay. I just looked up, I'm all in on the under because I think in these cold conditions, it's going to nerf the Dolphins, but I think it's also going to nerf the Bills as they try to, you know, play lights out. Every play is a 60 yard touchdown. Bills money line at under 43.5. Bills money line and under at plus 160. That's what I might play on Saturday night. If I get to sit down and watch the game with a cocktail, that's what I'll be looking for. 
I think it's possible that the conditions could make it closer. So I think I would go with the Dolphins plus seven. It's mm -hmm. a lot of points. I guess, I mean, even on the short week, I feel like in the long run, we learn more about teams from the long run than we do from just one or two games. And I feel like in the long run, we've learned that Miami has a lot of talent and they are well coached and they should figure out a way to get back to scoring points. I, agree. I, did, you know, I don't know if it's going to be this week, but I, it could be this week. And that's why I think I would go with the plus seven. I just know that this is the night that that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. This is a really good. This is a really good defense. Right. That's, really that good. was my same point about the, the Niners. Like in the long run, I think everything is is spick and span. But like in the short week, I don't think that they're going to be able to turn around against a good opponent. And that's what I feel here. Uh, your prop that you like, Mike. My prop that I like is. Well, I don't like it. I want to discuss it. I, I'm not sure I like it because of the cold weather. Tyreek Hill, 100 plus receiving yards. Josh Allen, one or more rushing touchdowns, plus 330. I I kind of like that. Okay. Because I, I, I think Tyreek's going to get some yak. Bills you know, allow 80 yards a game to the opposing number one receiver. Hmm. But in the first game between these teams, Waddle had the big game and Hill only had 33 yards. You flipped the script. But I do so think I do has the big game. I think that it's a lock that Josh Allen scores a rushing touchdown. I think I like this because the plus three thirty. I mean that's a that's a good that's, that's good juice. That's a good take home right there. That's good juice. I got a really big juice one coming in a little bit that we'll see what people think about. It really feels like death taxes and Josh Allen scoring rushing touchdowns in the snow should be the uh, the mantra. And, and that's the thing you get in that prop to root for Josh Allen rushing touchdowns in the snow. It's like Santa coming down the chimney. You want to see it. You want to see snow flying around as he plows through people. And it's like, oh, and I get money too? <laughs> you know, my cup runneth over. Uh, Lions at Jets. That's the one o'clock. That's the best of the one o'clock Sunday games. Lions at Jets. Lions make the playoffs 38% of Sims when they win, only 8% if they lose. Jets, 52% if they win, 24% if they lose. And by the way, I cannot find a good line on this game because most of the books that are listed have it as off the books right now, and I'm not sure why. Not quite. But then someplace have it as, but isn't White playing? We got like some Jets. places have it as Lions plus one, and some places have it as Jets plus one. Right now I'm seeing Jets minus one. I have seen it flip-flop during the week, probably because of the concerns about quarterback health, especially earlier in the week when we didn't have as much knowledge about yeah. Mike White. I'm going to take a really brief second here for a shameless plug of the Matt Lombardo show over at Heavy.com because one of the things I talked about on the podcast this week, and we're going to bring it to your audience, I was wrong, okay? I, I can admit when I'm wrong about something, and, and I was dead wrong on Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. I thought that it was a cute little cartoon character story of, you know, Harry High School coach coming in, flexing his muscles and, you know, doing the up-downs during training camp and not, not a great tactician. They're a 22nd Josh Allen game-winning field goal drive on Thanksgiving away from a six-game winning streak. Yes. Great football. Amon Ross St. Brown, I said it before the season, was going to become a household name. He's well on his way. And you get Jamison Williams coming in in his debut, his first catch, a 41-yard touchdown. So the weapons are there. 
you've started to see Jared Goff play some of the best football of his career. Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, I, I've said this for weeks, he's going to be the first head coach hired. He's this hiring cycle's Brian Dable. I'm, I'm definitely considering him for assistant coach of the year. Yeah, oh, no doubt about it. Because what they've been able to do with young talent and a backfield that I wouldn't say they set the world on fire. Jamal Williams leads the league in touchdowns, 14 rushing touchdowns. He's a, a goal line red zone vulture. That offense is is a poor man San Francisco 49ers in terms of what they do, at least in my opinion. I was wrong about Detroit. And I think you look at the remaining schedule. When you, you look at what they have ahead of them, you have the Jets this week, you have the Carolina Panthers, you have the Chicago Bears, and you have a, a very wounded and underachieving Packers team to close it out nine and eight ten and seven is on the table for them and that's knocking on the doorstep of a wild card berth again the, the Jets very similar to the Giants I think they've had a season where they've played above their heads I think they're closer to competing than the Giants are closer to a playoff berth maybe even this year but man what the Lions are doing right now has to be one of the biggest storylines of, of the entire league of the entire season and I love their chances on Sunday I think the Jets are, are definitely better, a lot better than the Giants, yeah. just because their defense, their defense is just a lot better, one, uh, especially because of Sauce and Reed in the cornerback. And second of all, they have, their wide receiver weapons are not all injured. Right. Right. I mean, they do, like, right. I probably would rather have Daniel Jones than Mike White. Sorry to all the White stands out there, but I'd rather have Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore than yeah. I would Darius Slayton and the land of guys who dropped off the Bills practice squad or whatever the Giants are doing. <laughs> the island of misfit receivers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're on the island of misfit receivers. Um, <laughs> I will say one bet I would consider in this game is Lions first half. Okay. The Lions are 12th in first half offense and 30th in second half offense. Hmm. The Jets get better on both offense and defense after halftime. I like that. So I think if you're going to bet this game, I would rather bet Lions first half pick them than Lions full game pick them. Although I think I like the Lions in this game for the full game. The Lions do come out with usually an amazing game script, a great mix of run and pass, and like all of their pulling, trapping stuff on the offensive line. You know, guns are blazing right away. Even going back to the opener against the Eagles, they did a lot of that stuff. And they do come out breathing fire early on, so I, I do like that. Uh, I, I've got to say, it's a good, this is a good game if you like line play. Like, I yeah. would think seeing the Jets' current defense against that Lions' offensive line, that's a great matchup of strength against strength. It's mm -hmm. going to be really good to watch. I think this is the game I'm going to be watching at 1 p.m., so um, – I think that that's a good one. Uh, I will say that Jared Goff uh, falls from a 62 QBR to a 52 QBR when the team, when the opponent only rushes four. He's better against the blitz than he is against four. And the Jets blitz less than any other team in the league this year. They don't have to. Because they don't have to. Right. I feel like that might be some kind of artifact where the teams that are rushing four know they can get home with their four. Right. You know, so it's like, but this, but this is a team that can. Yes, and that's a that's a thing. It's like, oh yeah, we do not have to blitz this guy. We're going to get the pressure, and Goff waltz under that pressure. The blitzing teams are coming in, like we're trying to compensate, and they're slamming into that offensive line and the way that uh, you know the way that offense is schemed up to create opportunities. So, uh, and by the way, this is one more random stat. When I was going through looking for matchups, this is the kind of thing that could just be just random 
variation creates. I love an Aaron Schatz random stat, by the way. <laughs> the Lions offense yeah, is much worse on second down, and the Jets defense is number one in the league on second down. Jet, Lions offense is the worst on second downs? No, it's just much worse than it is on first and second. It's 21st on 21st on second down. I, see, I would think a team that has this really balanced running game and like a pretty good short passing game, second down is going to be where they feast. Yeah, you would think. Yeah, second <laughs> three, we can open everything up against everybody. And but there, there you go. That's that's interesting. It's one of my great questions. Like, do second down splits really tell you anything? I, I don't know the answer to that question, honestly. Like, there's feel they're like pretty they're big samples. They're like by the time you get to the end of the year, a second down split is like 400 plays. But I don't know whether it tells you anything real or not. Yeah. But if it is, that's interesting. Yeah, I feel like it's it's like almost like wagging the dog of the first down. The first down splits we know are really important. Right, first down is really a thing, and third down is a thing. Is is a thing, but like the second down is almost like the statistical residue left over from the other two. Yeah, I mean, it's weird, right? Like right, it's weird. right. Um, so who would you guys go? Lions are uh, assuming that let's let's call it a pick 'em for now because yeah. some places have it one one way and some places have it one the other way. With a line of one, it's not like you're going to be like, give me the point. <laughs> so let's just assume it's a pick em. Uh, And by the way, I also the um, our over-under formula has no pick on a 44.5. came out with 44.5 as the projection. Wow. <laughs> so, um, so who would you go with, Lions or Jets? Give me Dan Campbell's fighting kneecap eaters. I mean, they're, they're just on a roll right now, and and – you know, I feel like they can beat you in a lot of ways, right? They can beat you on the perimeter now with those two big receivers. If they get down in the red zone with the scheme that Ben Johnson has put together and Jamal Williams' dominance inside the 10-yard line, it's lights out for you. Inconsistency from the Jets at quarterback, as far as what we know or don't know about Mike White's health. It's a close game, but I think this is just another check mark in the Lions' resume. How about that pendulum swinging for me on Detroit? You go from, you know, out it's a cartoon character to mm -hmm. buy your playoff tickets in the motor city <laughs> and i'm in the same journey and i'm trying to filter out is this like recency bias because i've been watching these jets like falter and and and, and like the last time i saw them look kind of good was against the bears and it didn't look that really that good it was just this rainy mess against trevor simeon you know but there are reasons to believe that the jets are are, are flatlining offensive line play quarterback play etc and it's reasons to believe that the Lions are growing into their own, like Jamison Williams. There's a there's a kid, I'm forgetting his name right now, has four sacks in the last three games who just came off the practice squad. There's stuff like that happening. I'm going to go with the Lions, too. Yeah, my Lions thing is, on. I think, based on the idea that there's a chance that Mike White turns back into a pumpkin. And I feel like I feel like the, the offense is schemed. I don't feel like Jared Goff, I feel like, is what he is. Yeah, But with Mike White, you're still talking about a guy who, you know, I, I don't want to read too much into that first game that he had. He may not be that good. And it wasn't that good a game. It wasn't yeah. that good a game. It was it was a, a box scorey kind of game. But there's like an adequacy to him that I don't know how long that will last. Uh, I'm going to uh, mix the next two. I'm going to put the Bengals, let's do Bengals and Buccaneers next so that uh, Matt can rap, uh, wax rhapsodic about how much he loves Joe Burrow. Yeah. But Bengals at Buccaneers, 4 p.m. Bengals are basically in the playoffs, 94% if they lose. Uh, Buccaneers, are, we have them at 85% with a win and 63% with a loss. Our numbers really still like the Buccaneers, and that division sucks. Yeah, our numbers don't like the Panthers. 
Right. Our numbers <laughs> hate the Panthers. Our numbers hate the Panthers and like the Buccaneers. Right. Yeah, the baton gets passed this week, boys. It, it, it is Tom Brady passing the baton to Tom Brady 2.0 and Joe Burrow. You know, you look at the way they've won this year. They've manufactured wins in a lot of different ways. A lot of that's because Jamar Chase has been banged up. Now you're without the two big wide receivers. Yeah. In his in and out, Samaji Perrine gets in there. And I think that what you've really seen, we talked about the evolution of the Bills bringing in Von Miller. I think we've really over, we've really witnessed the evolution of Joe Burrow mm-hmm. because the aggressiveness, he hasn't had to be so aggressive. I don't think he's had the ability to with his receivers being so banged up. But he's now taking what defenses give him underneath a lot more than ever. He's, you know, more willing to run than ever because he's further removed from that ACL injury. I think that Brady and the Bucks are going to be able to score. I don't think this is going to be a 35-7 to 7 blowout situation like you had last week because the Bengals' defense is kind of banged up. But I just look at Joe Burrow and that offense and what they're doing. I think a lot of people are still sleeping on Cincinnati. I think a lot of people are still wildly underrating what Joe Burrow is. And I think that this is the stage for him with Tom Brady on the other sideline to really plant his flag as one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the league today with a ceiling that, that's pretty high. I'm worried right now about an injury report that has Higgins and Boyd on it. Higgins hurt his finger early in that game, uh, and I'm not sure what Boyd's injury is. It so. sounds like uh, Boyd's is more – Boyd's is a stronger injury than Higgins. Like, Boyd's it's, probably out. Like, I know we took Boyd out of our fantasy projections, but I think we left Higgins in for now. But Higgins is in with a finger injury as a receiver, which is also like a potential worry. Like that game. So again, I said suboptimal to have a finger injury. A gutsy win against the Browns. A great, a great play by like the defensive front seven in particular, um, by the by the Bengals in that game. Reader and some of the other guys. Also, Bates comes in and has a big re- interception. We forget how good their safety play is. Um, but it was also like a win that was like the, the Browns gave them about 70 yards on penalties on one of their drives. And, you know, the, the, the Browns quarterback right now is not in sync in any way with his receivers because he was suspended for being a scumbag for so long. And so he's not finding guys downfield taking sacks. So the Bengals are manufacturing these wins. I think I'm leaning Buccaneers. I'm just worried what Bengals team we're going to see because of these injuries, especially when it's two of the biggest targets that make that Bengals offense special. The other thing about Burrow is, and I'm sure Aaron's going to shoot this down one way or the other, it seems like so much better against the blitz. It seems like if you have to blitz Joe Burrow, that you're flirting with fire in the same way the teams that blitz Patrick Mahomes. I wish I, I wish I had numbers in front of me, so I could either agree with you or shoot it down, but I do not have numbers in front of me, so I have no idea if that's right. Let me see if I can uh, homebrew something real quick. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, the, the thing to me is that Tampa, we still think Tampa is better than people seem to realize. They are, believe it or not, still an above-average passing team on all three downs. They look worse passing than, than they really are because they're constantly in bad down-and-distance situations because their running game sucks so much this year. So I feel like like I'm like Mr. Brady defender, like, He's not past his prime. I think he's still playing well. And their receivers have had injuries and been in and out of the lineup, except for Mike Evans. And even Evans was suspended for a game. But they've got the receivers back at this point. And I feel like their passing game works. I mean, I just – the 
the Bengals are just a better team. I mean, the Bengals are a much better team than they were a year ago. A year ago, they kind of snuck into the playoffs by winning their, you know, 10 and seven in a bad division. And then they went on a nice little run of close victories. This year, the Bengals are like a legit, like top six, top seven, good on offense and defense. Burrow has matured even further. Like they're really good this year. I don't, I don't see that pass offense working. I mean, it's like adequate. And then you have like these fourth, this fourth quarter against the Rams. I mean, the last five minutes, fourth quarter against the Rams, last five minutes, the fourth quarter against the Saints. And that's two of your wins. Okay. That's, that's Brady magic. But I think that that's also like when you don't, don't actually have to protect him in any way. And teams are foolish enough to back off on him. He can still obviously do all of those things, but I don't know against a good opponent, you know, in a situation where teams are going to bring their pass rush and things like that, how much you can really expect. Although I will point out Trey Hendrickson, Speaking of the Bengals, pass rush is injured. That's, that's a problem. Hubbard's been playing real well, but that's not a replacement for Hendrickson. Real yeah. quick, Matt, I pulled up some blitz numbers, and the Bengals are fifth in adjusted net yards per attempt from Sports Info Solutions. They are fifth against the blitz. So, um, yes, Burrow is good against the blitz. Right. And let's remember, it was a couple of weeks earlier in the season when that offensive line hadn't gelled yet, and he took six trillion sacks. So that's all still in the data. So I think that's fit. like he takes fewer sacks now. Like oh, he's yeah. taking fewer sacks. Like that has really improved. And that's where I think the Bengals might actually be the team to beat in the AFC that nobody's really talking about because you look at what they did. Contrast it with Kansas City getting rid of Tariq Hill, probably their mo- definitely the most explosive offensive weapon, one of their top offensive weapons. The Bengals go out and they rebuild that offensive line with veterans who take time to gel. Well, guess what? They're gelling. And their quarterback is is really freaking good against the blitz. So if you need to blitz to beat the offensive line, good luck. He's going to throw over you. If you're going to, you know, sit back and play straight up, he's shown a propensity over the last three weeks because the supporting cast is banged up that he's going to take what you give him underneath. So come playoff time, if and when they're healthy with Chase and Higgins and Boyd, They've now shown you that they can beat you by nickeling and dime you death by 10,000 paper cuts underneath the whole way. And, of course, the track record of beating you over the top with explosives. So they can beat you a number of ways. I just think people are still sleeping on the Bengals, and I think people don't put Burrow in that conversation alongside Mahomes and Allen. And part of me thinks it's because of the market and the team, not because of what he has done and shown in his career. Interesting. I'm not sure what – Burrow did to harm everyone. <laughs> I think he's in the, I mean, I, look, I think Mahomes is here and everybody yeah. else is here. So I, I think Burrow is absolutely in the conversation with Allen. Yes. But not with Mahomes. Um, sitting out this three one. times in a row. Just sitting this one out. This one out. Uh, Bengals at Buccaneers. Bengals minus three and a half. So who would you take? God, I wish I had two and a half, not three and a half. Wish I didn't have to lay a field goal. Screw it. Go, go with the Bengals. Going with the Bengals. I've really watched that Buccaneers team play so poorly over the last couple of weeks and like goof off their way to a win late in that game. I feel the Bengals should be able to make that kind of statement win. Yeah, I think I'm going with the Bengals too. And uh, so is Joe Burrow's biggest fan down there. Oh my God. It's a. Uh, That's a real graded card. Um, let's finish with one more 4 p.m. game, and that is the Titans at the Chargers. Uh, Titans make the playoffs 97% if they win, 78 if they lose. If they lose, here come the Jags. 
Uh, Chargers, 66% with a win, 24% with a loss. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because the Titans running game, you think, is going to attack the Chargers' bad run defense, but the Titans are only 15th in run DPOA. Like Henry has not – basically Henry this year has been two different dudes, like the dude who plays other AFC South teams and the dude who plays everybody else. Almost as if, like, there are a lot of weak defenses there. and In the AFC South, yes. In the AFC South. And also, like, the Colts with a weak offense where you're going to just get more opportunities and you're going to get your you're going to get yards that way. Uh, I was just trying to pull up the injury report here, and the Chargers injury report is looking better and better and better week by week by week. I see Trey Pipkins is in limited participation. He might be back. Uh, obviously, we saw what happens when you get Mike Williams back, when you get Lindsley back at center. You see a stronger Chargers offense overall and that's what we saw on sunday night can we get this guy a real coach please <laughs> I, I, I know that, i know that mike Tanier is in the well, uh, what else we gotta get we gotta get him a real coach and three great receivers and and everything well else. he's got the receivers back now yeah. he does yeah. have the receivers back now i mean he doesn't need three great receivers but he has two really good ones so that's really good ones now. Well, you just went off on joe burrow who do you like burrow or herbert I think I think Burrow has the higher ceiling. I think he. I think Joe Burrow has the best mechanics of any quarterback in the NFL. But uh, I still think Herbert is special. I just think he's been put in bad spots by his coaching staff. And if right. you want Peyton or a competent offensive mind into that situation with Justin Herbert over the next two to three years with the talent they have around him, I think he has a chance to be special. I don't think he's Joe Burrow, but I think he has a chance to be very special. I also think he has a chance to have a really special game on Sunday because, listen, I might be the only person in America who's willing to say this. I couldn't be more bearish on what the Tennessee Titans are because it seems like every year, right, they race out to this 7-3, and 7-4 and four start, and then they run into a playoff team that they lose to. It happened to be the Philadelphia Eagles getting boat raced out of the city of brotherly love by A.J. Brown, and it comes off the rails. Now, I, I know that, you know, we can look at, at John Robinson and there are people in that building who told me that, you know, they have a championship level coach with shoddy personnel. That might be the case. Yeah. But I look at this particular Tennessee Titans team and I look at the struggles of ball security with Derrick Henry in the last couple of weeks, the stats that Aaron rattled off in terms of his dominance against, uh, you know, a- AFC South competition versus everybody else. I think everybody else with the Chargers coming off that win last week I think the Chargers have a chance to make a statement in this game, and I think that I'm just not a believer in what Tennessee is this year or any other year. So I really like the Chargers in this one. By the way, a championship-level coach with shoddy personnel is the name of the New York Giants highlight film. (laughs) That's that's like... Ex, like horrendous personnel yeah. as, as opposed to just bad that's word that's another s word that i won't use one person i will say i don't think is going to have a good game is austin eckler the titans have the number one defense against the run but 28th against the pass and they are third against running backs as receivers but awful against wide receivers so this is a game for mike williams and keenan allen to finally go off and austin eckler to be uh, down, and the, there's all kinds of defensive backs on the injury report right now for the Titans, as well as Traylon Burks is still in the concussion protocol. I remember, he got walloped a couple of weeks ago. I, he didn't participate 
in a walkthrough yesterday, so I don't know what's going on there, but I don't think we're going to see him. You're talking about the Chargers can make a statement. Chargers have to make a statement in this game. This right. is an example of the team. You must be to demonstrate you are what I think you are, what, what, what you should be along the way. You know, and, and again, you're right, and it should be a game where we see Williams and we see Allen and we see Herbert put up some of the things that we saw them put up last week. This is big for the Chargers' playoff odds, especially yeah. because – you know, because it's an in-conference game and things will come down to conference record. And if the Jets lose to the, the Lions, then the Chargers will – I think the Patriots will still be in the seventh spot, but we know that their last three games are really hard, and so the Chargers are really in a better position. So the Chargers could really need this one. Right, right. And if they can't win this game, then what can you say about them going forward in terms of their ability to win these other games they'll have to seal up? It's like, right. again, this is a playoff team, but it's a very vulnerable playoff team that isn't built very well for the long haul, this should be a W. So what? what's your prop here? What the, you had a prop that you uh, thought was interesting. Is Mike Williams 100-plus receiving yards? Should be no problem, Herbert Hive, right? Derrick Henry. <laughs> Derrick Henry, 100-plus rushing yards, plus 700. So Mike Williams. Wow. And Titans, Titans pass defense sucks, Hive. So I kind of like this. That feels. I, like, I love it. I mean, Chargers' run defense sucks. Titans' pass defense sucks. Yes. Feels like you you bought a money machine with that prop. I, lo- I it's already played. I already played it. And and again, yeah, you're right. I I I believe that. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm, I troll about the Herbert stuff, obviously. It's like he should get that going away. I know what's going to happen now that I played. Is Derek Henry is going to get 75 yards on screen passes? And that's going to be his yardage instead of runs. But plus 700, look at that. That's beautiful. It's a money machine. And the uh, the line for the game is uh, Chargers minus three. The over-under is 47 and a half. Do you have thoughts on that? Chargers and the over. You like the over? I do I would say Chargers and the under. And I might money – I haven't looked it up, but I might money line and under it just to give a little more protection. It was three and a half, you said? The three. Three. Three? Eh, I don't want to push. So I would probably go Chargers money line. And I and again, I'm feeling the under in that one because I don't know how many points the Titans are going to score. I've seen the Chargers like, like like even last week. They they have this great offensive game. It comes and then out they tight. turtle up they in the second half up. and it's all three yard passes to Echo. They turtle up and they get and they get sacks and these other things like that, and they end with twenty three. And I don't think whether you want to call it Lombardi or whoever, the red the red zone game plans are kind of wackadoodle. Okay. So I don't, I'm, that's, that's my concern with the over. The, um, the uh, picks formula likes the Titans, but I think I would go with the chargers. Really? Chargers minus three. Yeah. Picks formula likes, probably picks glad formula likes put the, the little logo graphics along the bottom here, because we're just asking to be made fun of for this. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially when Mike Williams has two catches for 15 yards and Henry goes for 30. Right. Because Josh Palmer goes ham. Yeah. All right, that does it for the show, folks. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Mike, always, thank you. Matt Lombardo, heavy.com, and check out his podcast there. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, We will be back next Thursday for another weekly preview. And don't forget about live streams every day at 1 p.m. Eastern right here on YouTube and Twitch. So uh, for week 15, so long, everybody.